Hey, welcome to Guitar Knobs, the guitars, gear, noise, and nonsense podcast hosted today by these knobs. Tony Dudzik, Pick Guardian. Hey, everybody, it's me, Todd Novak. Welcome to the Guitar Knobs podcast. Our good friend Jared, Jared. Is, is somewhere. Uh, he's in the like the Appalachian Mountains, isn't he? Uh, he's he's he, on he a porch be. looking at some mountains. He's, he's out on, on a, vacation. On a porch looking <laughs> he, at some mountains. Yeah. He better be careful up there. He'll get shot. Somebody would think he's Bigfoot. <laughs> That's, uh, <laughs> yes. I, yeah. You're not wrong. Or well, I was just looking for a his place to is, go to the bathroom in the woods. This guy shot me in my line. His back <laughs> is not that hairy. <laughs> yeah, the crap ass one. They're just his sheer size. Yeah. Uh, so anyways, and, and then we've got our good pal uh, Rob here. Hello. Rob Chafe, uh, master amp wizard. It's going to be a fun one today because we mm. are doing Ask Rob, Rob. Anything. Mm-hmm. We're going to get your answers anything. to the questions that yeah. many of you have no submitted. questions from Tony. This is going to be awesome. It is. And you know why? Because no. this guy knows his stuff. He does. He does. We're not yeah. going to... It's not going to be like, eh, can, yeah. do we need to fact check that? I mean, yeah, I mean I you've built your brand. Okay, I'll, I'll, correct, I'll correct that. He doesn't actually do any of the work. It's the 50... Uh, laborers that he has that live at his house that yes. do all the work. <laughs> yes. Minions. Yeah. Yes, yes, the minions. I wish. Understood. No. He's uh, he's 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 good at what he does. He he really is. Um hey uh, before we go f- much further, we got a message from our friend Trevor Gunberg. Oh. Yes. He's the one who uh essentially sent he gave us the last would you rather if you remember. I do remember that. He said, "Hey um I was so excited. I got my Would You Rather read. For the record, if I did a Todd and didn't choose one of the three options, uh, I'd go with the Mockingbird. Other than that, Todd is correct. I'd pick the Warlock. Nice. (laughs) So, he likes the Warlock. So thanks, Trevor, for clarifying that for us. We were all... Yeah, it's nice to hear from... from, Wondering what was going on. Because we had to guess at what your response was going to be. We did. We did. But... Um, Apparently we guessed right. We did. All right. Well, um, we're we've got a really really big shoe. Big shoe. So we're not going to uh, waste too much more time. Okay. Todd. We don't have a four on the floor. Are you saying you don't want me yeah. to say things anymore? I do want you to say something. Something in regards to <laughs> the positive grid ah, spark amp. Oh, uh, on this particular episode. No, what are we, we going to talk about? We're going to cover the Smart Jam. <laughs> oh, now, yes. Before I go any further, Smart Jam. This is the Spark Amp by Positive Grid, and this is a wonderful piece of equipment. We're going to be giving one of these away. You can what? sign up for a wait, chance wait, to wait, win wait. a Spark Amp at positivegrid.com forward slash guitar knobs. You can win one. Back up a second. You're telling me that we're going to have one of these to give away. Yes. That's that's actually happening. Wow! All right, so uh, we're gonna we've been covering some of the major features on the Spark mm-hmm. Amp or the, the the Spark Amp. This one is it has so many we had to break them out. Yeah, this is about the Smart Jam. Now this is one of those things that if somebody tells you, oh, this has got a Smart Jam, you're like, what the heck is a Smart Jam? Mm-hmm. It is pretty remarkable. The Spark Amp and the app, the accompanying app, which is app. super powerful, work together to learn your style and feel, and then uh, basically then it generates 
uh, realistic bass and drums to accompany you. Yeah. <laughs> Impossible? No. All you got to do is play your riff. Yep. And kind of like Shazam, it listens to the, you know, the Shazam app where you're like, what's that song? And it tells it, you what that song is. Right. And it's probably Drain Me by the Valentinos. Probably not. <laughs> Shameless plug. No. Um, and what it does, it listens to your riff. Yep. And then it circles around and it says, give me a minute. I'm going to figure this out. And then it, it, it sets you up with the beat. You, get, you choose your drummer, and then you set your BPM, and then you play your riff, yeah. and then it says, here you go, and you can, you can jam to it. Did that I men- is remarkable. Did I mention I tried that feature when I was testing out the app? Tell us about that really quick. I mean, it was just cool. I played a, you know, a simple three-chord kind of thing, mm-hmm. and what I found was that, you know, it, it, I mean, not that I was doing anything super complicated, but it, it gave you some opportunities to explore yeah. on the guitar, whether it be a lead, whether it be some other rhythm uh, things, yeah. uh, it's 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 just a very cool feature. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of uh, hard to beat that, especially for under three hundred dollars. You can buy the amp, and there's and, lots of deals out there, you know, at different retailers too. So, and in this day and age where everyone's afraid to be in the same room with a lot of other people, it's great for practicing. It's great for fu- figuring out, like, hey, I, I, just even even practicing by yourself without a beat or trying to go into GarageBand or something and sorting out a beat. And that's a pain. Mm-hmm. This makes it really easy. So do yourself a favor. Uh, go over to Spark Amp, um, and you can find that at positivegrid.com forward slash the guitar knobs. You can buy one of you for your own right now. Do it. Or you can sign up to win a free one. Or both. Do both. Have two. And give Rob the other one. Yeah. All right. Thanks very much to uh, Spark Amp from Positive Grid for uh, hooking us up with this delightful piece of equipment and for providing one to our listeners. Ladies and gentlemen, that is it for the, as an announcement, so I do want to do a quick, hey, what's going on in our music worlds this week? Because that's always important, and it, and it is beloved by our even more beloved audience. So, Tanya, go ahead. So this week, and this what's really funny is this kind of ties in with with the Spark Amp too, because one of my neighbors, uh, we were out walking dogs and got to talking, and uh, I told him what I do, and he was really interested, and he said, well, I used to play a, a little bit of guitar. He says, but I've got a buddy of mine who's a really good guitar player, and he uh, he used to have a, uh, a music showcase here in, in, well, it started in central Ohio, um, but um, he said, would it be cool if, you know, if we came down one day? So I said, yeah, come on down, you know, check it out, and we got to talking, and uh, his friend Jeff, really nice guy, and uh, he was playing. <laughs> it was really funny. He said, We got talking about amps and guitars and you know, all the stuff. And he had in his collection of you know, some pretty stellar amplifiers. He said, But I have to, I have to, I have to admit something. I said, What's that? He says, Well, I bought one of these spark camps <laughs> and I haven't touched anything since. What are the odds of that? Yeah, I mean, and it, I'm not plugging anything, this actually happened. And uh, and so we got to talking a little bit about that because I had already tried it out, and he has posted some uh, some videos on uh, on Instagram and some other things of him. Uh, one of the other features that we didn't talk about is it, you know you can uh, uh, use like a play along feature 
So if you want to, yeah, you can choose like they got a load of different things. And if you want to play, you know, he 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 showed me one of his uh, his uh, Led Zeppelin play alongs, and it was really good. And you know, it knows, you know, it it automatically sets the amp to the settings that are closest to what maybe Pagey used. The sound was very good. It sounded, uh, you know, like like uh, Page's guitar. Uh, And he made a couple of flubs, but overall, not too bad. Probably better than I could do. Yeah, but it, it's it's just really cool and I coincidental. Can that. Yeah, well, yeah, you got these <laughs> meat hooks, uh, but yeah, it, it's just really cool and it's uh, and it's fun to see other people exploring that world and and uh, you know having having Spark uh, or uh, uh, Positive Grid help sponsor this and, yeah. and enable one of our users to win one. Very cool indeed. So that was, that. yeah, just a little notation for this week. I like it. Rob? Cool. Uh, work stuff. Uh, today, this is a good one. Today I was battling. Uh, I should have turned this one away, but he's a really good customer. And uh, so I want to help him out. He had his buddy convert a uh, old Bell uh, PA system, mm. which is, you know, not much of a PA system, you know, it's like bass, treble, and like three mic inputs or something like that. Anyways, he had uh, his buddy convert it to a guitar amplifier. These are typically like whenever you're converting some, it's it's like an old 40s, 50s, mm-hmm. maybe even 60s PA 60s. system. Yeah, this is probably 60s yeah. PA system, you know, two 606s, uh, 12 AX7 inputs, 12 something else on one of the other channels anyways. Um, but yeah, so yeah, converting it, it, which is nothing more than changing the mic inputs to guitar inputs usually and doing a couple of little things. Anyways, his buddy did the work. It hummed and had ground problems and, you know, so went in there, corrected the AC main supply. And, and now I'm going through trying to figure out the ground scheme on this. This thing just hums at 120 hertz like you would not believe. All the volumes down, just all the time. It's the ground scheme. Yeah. Um, and actually, and, and I, I can't figure out where it's grounded at. Like, literally, I can't figure out where this, I, all the circuits. Is it, is it not grounded? It is grounded. It, I measure from the chassis to, um, the, there's, this isn't all grounded at one point or two points. This is a, um, I don't know how to describe it. It goes from one component to another component to another component. Like all the t- grounds are tied together from wire, so they're not oh, going so to no a point. central point. Exactly, but somewhere it is connected to ground. So and, and I've chased, I've traced all the wires, and none of them are. There's nothing soldered to the chassis at any point. Could it just be the pots that are uh, no. touching the metal? No, because all, the ground that goes to the pots uh, for for the outside lug that that you know grounds the pots. Yeah, that is running to the other components. They're not grounded against the back of the pot at any point. Oh my god! Yeah, so I'm like, and I, I the input jacks that the guy put on there were grounded the sleeve was grounded to the chassis so i lifted those mm-hmm. because i figured okay there's two ground points going on right. there's this and that and that's where the ground loops come from so i isolated all those it's this the circuit's still grounded and i traced every damn wire and there's no point anything soldered to the chassis or crimped to the chassis touching the, so somewhere i'm missing it or i have seen this a couple of times there's a slight chance the center tap of the power transformer is grounded to the uh, the casing. 
Uh, there's a slight chance, which I've seen that a couple of times. Yeah. And if that happens, that'll cause all kind of ground loop problems. Yeah, I, I can see where that would be an issue. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say it was probably going to be that. But <laughs> whatever. But That's what, what, what a nightmare. Like I said, uh, I should have just turned this one away because I, he, I'm only going to charge him for a couple stand. hours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good guess, Todd. I'm only going to charge this guy for a couple hours, but I've got so much time into it. It's just, I spent a good four hours today just staring at it and chasing my tail. So mm, Nice. So it's a good one, yeah. So I'll be making minimum Post wage on this Post that video on Instagram. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you staring at it and chasing hour. your tail. <laughs> wow. Outstanding. How about you, Todd? Well, let me tell you, people, I had something, I, you know, I think as guitar players, enthusiasts, whatever you want to call us, um, we love our music. How about guitar nerds? Guitar nerds, I'm sure they love their music too. <laughs> yeah. They've got a lot of great music over there in the UK. Hello, mm-hmm. guitar nerds fans. We are of you. Uh, I received in the mail something that is uh, real special to me. It's a certificate. It is a it is a <laughs> certificate. It is not a certificate. What it is... It's um, a picture... I uh, think one of the greatest songs that uh, are maybe in... in in my purview, in my Don't world. Don't build it up too high. In my world. I'm guessing Champagne Supernova. Yeah, it's got to be Oasis, right? No. I mean, it no. What is it? Read it, Tony. I, so I hold here a handwritten... A handwritten... A handwritten... Handwritten... Lyric framed, framed on an image of a blood-red moon. Ah. Go ahead and read it. Fate up against your will through the... Kind of pitchy, dog. (laughs) Thick and thin. He will wait until you give yourself to him. Yeah. So So he actually Lyrics from the Killing Moon by... Yeah, yeah. yeah. From Ian McCullough uh, by the uh, Echo and the Bunnymen. That is super cool. Yeah, he, they did a, a real limited run of that, and I said, I absolutely yeah, this want is, that. Oh, so this isn't, this, he didn't actually do this No, he one. did that. He, They're all hand done. Really? Yeah. How cool is that? And it's just, I mean, maybe somebody doesn't think it's cool, but I think it's cool. I think it's that's pretty That's special cool. to me, because I think that's such an extraordinary song, and, uh, you know, lyrics, the lyrics are important. Rob doesn't know what we're talking about, but I that's okay. I have no idea. That's okay. Um it, that looks is, that, nice. It looks nice. I, I can't think of any frame. Molly Hatchet lyrics to give you, so let's <laughs> just keep Flirt going. With disaster. <laughs> Come on. Anyways, yeah. So you know, I, and all I did was I sometimes I get the tickle. I'm like, I wonder what my uh, with this band that I love is up to. So how did you stumble uh, on that? That's exactly what I did. I'm like, I'm just gonna see what they're up to. I checked out the socials, and it says, Hey, I'm gonna do a, a select number of signed this yeah. thing, and I was like. Bang! I hit that thing. Yeah, there's a uh, Nick Cave was doing some things like that. He like hand types stuff on an old typewriter yeah. and pastes it on yeah. things, and you know you can. I mean, I love it. It's a personal connection to something that's important to me and my. And why doesn't it say to Todd? I don't know. Mm. There's nowhere to fit it. Oh, he could have signed it in the, in the, <laughs> like in the, the dark part. Silver they sharpie. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. Uh, so that was my. I thing. can do that. For now you, Todd. let's <laughs> move on, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> this has been quite enough shenanigans that was a great podcast it really was yeah um see you next week guys. just wait it's gonna get even worse um this is gonna be so exciting because we've got great questions we've we've asked our audience 
Hello, yes. audience out there. To each and every one of you who are driving, we truly And we got a great response. You. Got we a did. really we got great response. Excellent questions. Now, Rob, in his... I don't want to call it, call you anal. Yeah, anal retentive. Oh no, I am. Yeah, I'm a You're nut the bag. OCD. Yeah. You know, I'll I think we I'm all well a little bit. Okay. Yeah. Okay. What's that? Persnickety. 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 Rob is yeah. uh, has has we, we submitted the question. He's like, now I'm going to organize them, which I do appreciate because it, it, well, you know if, you, yeah. if you're tracking along, you're like, didn't they just talk about that? Yeah. So you filtered that. And However, I wanted to get you as much did done. give you did give a category that we're going to read anyways. Um, Okay, number one, this is a category of tube replacement biasing. And just a, a quick, uh, give you give everybody, maybe people aren't familiar with you, give us a 30-second, who are you, what do you do, Rob? I work on tube amps. My name Exclusively is Rob. Exclusively tube amps? Nope. Anything electronic musical instrument uh, gear. So okay. keyboards, PA equipment. Right. Guitar amps, fam, anything. And Rob, play. how have you made your made your name out there? I guess you might say. Um, I guess. I mean, I guess. Aside I, from being really, 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 really good at what you do. Well, I, I, I if anything, it's going to be that I'm a musician. I'm a player. Yes. Um. So. I'm a player. <laughs> I've got a little different <laughs> skill set than most techs. Um. In that. Uh, it's not just about the electronics. Yeah. He has an extra finger on each hand. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, and like with tube amps is that, you know, a lot of customers call me and go, yeah, this thing doesn't quite sound right. In fact, I just had a guy this past week drop off a 71 Marshall, and he's trying to give me all pounds. the description. Yes, yeah, 71 okay. pounds. Um, he's trying to give me all the description, like, oh, it sounds like this and like this, and I finally just cut him off. I was like, I'll, as soon as I hit one chord on, I'll know what's wrong yeah. with it, you know, because I've had enough of these. Yes. I know exactly. And you, you, know? you are uh, quite... A very accomplished musician. Oh no 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 no! I'm a mediocre musician. No, I've you, you can play the guitar pretty mean, my friend. Thank you. Um, but yeah. Um, so anyways, so yeah, so that, that's yeah. what I do, and that's yeah. well. And if you you can follow him on at uh, Mad Cow Amplification yep. on Instagram. Instagram, and really that's where part of your other name has been made because you you really. It's not that you're being mean or malicious or anything, um, but you do call out things that, that, you know, if you see something wrong, uh, uh, you're working on an amp, you're like, I, this is the wrong way to do it. Yeah. There are right ways and wrong ways to do electricity. Yeah. yeah, it's, yeah. Not, it's not a subjective thing. It's not like, I don't like this color Ex or this doesn't sound cool. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not in there. And, and, I, and if I don't particularly like the sound of an amp like there's lots of times i'll go hey this amp made really well eh, it doesn't really do it for me but it's built well it's going to be reliable it's it's worth the investment yada yada it's you built know safely safely exactly yeah. yeah yeah usually stuff like you said i i, I quote call out on there and yeah it's just stuff that crosses the bench and it's just things i think are interesting that i open up and go geez why did they do this rather than this or right. they should have done this it would have saved the customer you know right. 100 bucks I, on that note i do think one of the things that I really appreciate, and you don't outright call it out, but things like, well, this is the third Hot Rod DeVille I've had on my bench this week. Yeah. That's that's a note. Like, it's it's difficult for the average person to, to drop $1,000 on an amp mm -hmm. just because you think it's cool or you heard somebody else likes it. And if you're playing long and then you're just like, well, what's wrong with this? I just... 
isn't this a reputable? I, I paid all this money yeah. for it. Now I got this thing that I don't know how to fix. It's going to cost me money to fix. And quickly inject here. We'll get back to this. But the Hot Rod series, I think, are amazing amps for the money. That, yes. That, that the reason that I see so many of those things, and we'll get into this in more detail, yes. is that there is a gajillion out there. Yeah. So just by sheer number. But right. Continue okay. To talk. So that's a good. That's a good point. Yeah. But nevertheless, you you you. Yeah are inadvertently helping new buyers go, mm, well, I don't, you know, maybe that's what and, I don't want. And or. I've got, uh, I would say at least two or three, four or five uh, customers a week will reach out to me. And they're usually, they're customers I've dealt with for a while. And they'll say, hey, you know, you fix this and this and this for me. I'm looking at this amp. What do you think of it? And I can give them the inside scoop and say, hey, I've seen a lot of those. Right, um, and you don't go, oh, I hate this amp. It sucks. It's not cool. No, well, you say, well, and, and that's this, just this it. suffers from it. It's just like if you're buying a car. Yeah. It's not a, It's not very different. Yeah, yeah, and 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 I'm not one of these guys. A lot of musicians are like Marshall is the greatest amp ever, Fender's the greatest amp ever. That I'll just that's crap. If you've got that kind of attitude, that's just that's like saying that you know BMW is the only quality car made. Red no, it's is the not. only good color. Yeah, yeah. Just because you prefer that's cool, yeah. but you know, so so that's where I you know, we all have our musical preferences. Exactly. We all have our we have ears. In between our yeah, brains. Yeah, and, and it's, it's whatever you're doing to try to get your sound. But yeah, so anyway, so I've got a lot of customers that will reach out to me and just say, hey, I'm looking at the new XYZ. Yeah. What should I look out for? And I can tell them, hey. I did that when I purchased my uh, Supro. Oh, okay. I, I remember. I, I said, hey, do yep. you see many of these? And you said, nope. And I'm like, he goes, I guess that's a good thing. I'm like, perfect. Thanks. Yeah. Yep, there you go. Anyhow, the, you're not the uh, Better Business Bureau, and you're not Consumer Reports, but you, no. you, you know, he you, tells you it do like have it the is. information. Yes. Yep. All yeah. right. All that is to say, we've got questions for you, Rob. Okay, let's get started. And, and Tony's going to help provide color. Color. Unless you want to swing around over here and... and uh, I don't want to get that close to okay. you. Okay. All right. Number one, <laughs> for this is from John Esterly. John Esterly! Yes. Familiar, familiar name. Uh Tube replacement, this is uh, about tube replacement and or biasing. What do I need to worry about if I want to change tubes from a safety standpoint? Um, can we actually put all three of these together, read all three questions? Because it's all the same answer. Okay. Um, Ed Hauser Black said, tube replacement bias biasing. Please explain biasing. Ed Hauser Black. And the last one from, Kit, from David. David Kaminga. When does an amp need bias adjustment? Mesa Boogie says, if you replace the tubes in your amp with their branded tubes, you don't need to bias the amp and or you can't bias the amp. Is that because they only use tubes with certain values? What about all of my other amps? When I replace tubes, do they need to bias adjustment? Okay. All right, so we can see why all three of those are lumped together. They all ask uh, one big question. Biasing. Exactly, biasing. So when we Especially change Especially from tubes, Ed Hauser-Black. Yeah, exactly. Please explain biasing. Okay, so here we go. So um, like John asked, uh, what do we need to worry about when we change tubes? When you change preamp tubes, you don't need to worry about anything. Pull them out, swap them around, just, you know, don't have to do anything. There's no biasing needs to be done. Those, um, a lot of people... Uh, often incorrectly described as self-biasing. It's not. It's a it's a uh, um, negatively biased grid in relationship to the cathode. There's a resistor that sets the bias point. Are you going to explain biasing? Because I'm already lost. Yes. Well, <laughs> I, I, we're going to do a simpler version of it. Okay, let's do that. 
biasing in general, there. Let's uh, keep it to the simplest type of tube, like a, let's say a preamp tube. Okay. Sure. Preamp tube has a plate, a grid, and a cathode. Those are the three components that. Like that, a light bulb. You got the two prongs and the spring. No. No. Well, I'm just <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> By like okay, a light bulb, bulb, he meant I'm nothing not. like a light bulb. <laughs> Stop. Yeah. What I mean is, Both what you have electricity applied to them. What yes. you're doing is you're explaining the components within the tube. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Okay. Sheesh. I could have said uh, he's the, reaching for the that bun, one, the we'll hamburger, him, the lettuce, and tomatoes. Him, I could have yeah. said that. So, so yeah, there are three components inside the tube, like and, a light bulb. And this is going to be really, really generic in scope here. Um, the cathode is uh, typically wired uh, with a very low potential relative to ground. What's the cathode? One of the three components. Thank you. Yeah. What does um, it do? It's just part of a component. We don't have enough time. Okay, that's okay. I'm just, I'm just hey, that's okay. If something is too big, if it's easy, it's, I'll it's, go, well, it's, you know, it's I'm gonna set them up. You yeah. can knock them down or it's too big or for this. Bypass it. So, so yeah. So again, three components: plate, grid, <laughs> cathode. Cathode is typically wired very close to a ground potential. The grid is uh, where the signal comes in, the low-level signal, like a guitar signal right out of your guitar mm -hmm. into the grid of a tube. The plate is where the high voltage is applied and where the louder signal comes out. Okay. Okay? Those are your three parts of the tube. Um, when you put in a preamp tube, uh, why I say it doesn't need to be biased, is it's actually biased by the resistor. It's wired to the cathode. It's a very small resistor. That's the cathode I said is going to be wired very close to ground potential, very little voltage there. So they'll have like a 820 ohm or 1.5K, 2.2K resistor, very small resistor. So it lifts the cathode from ground up two or three volts, two or three volts, literally nothing, maybe a volt and a half, where the plate has two to 300 volts applied to it. And I guess maybe 160 to 260 or 270 volts applied to it. So, yeah, so th that's why you can replace any preamp with any other preamp. It's that little resistor that actually sets the bias value of a preamp tube. And if the reactants and, and impedance, everything of one tube versus another transconductance um, changes, that would just give you a little more gain, a little different EQ, but there's no danger. You can swap in tubes and just listen to it and go, oh, I like that better or worse. Okay, let me grab this other tube, swap this one in. Okay. Mm -hmm. Where you need to worry about bias is in output tubes. And in particular, if it's a class AB, um, yeah, class AB, uh, fixed negative bias supply. I don't know. When are you going to get to the simple stuff? Yeah, well, this is, this, this. You, uh, my, yeah, my, my, home, I, I feel like Homer Simpson when they do uh, the cross section of his mm -hmm. brain <laughs> and it's like, it, it's like him eating a, uh, mm, a sprinkled donuts. donut inside his brain. <laughs> That's what's happening right now. So, so let me. You made uh, let the me, mistake of asking well, about the components I, I, of a tube. I, I, no, I, <laughs> I want. So, biasing is a word that gets just thrown around. Yes. What is the in layman terms? What is what does biasing do? Is it is it like shifting more to the right or to the left? Like, what is that doing? It's controlling the voltage. Thank you, Tony. <laughs> no. No. By Screw controlling you, the voltage, I meant not <laughs> yes. controlling the voltage. Who are you, me? Here, the most dumbed-down version of it is it's like setting the idle on your car. Uh, the who? The idle. Oh, idle, setting the idle, idle on your car. Uh, so is, like it, is it idling 
at a higher RPM or a lower RPM? Depends on where you set the... That's a biasing. Yes. So, so the Got bi- it, everybody? So the bias doesn't actually adjust any voltage in the tube at all. No. The bias is... And again, this is only with one type of output section mm-hmm. because there are several different output designs where this does not hold true. But okay. typically when say people say that I have to have my amp biased... They mean that they have to have a negative voltage that's in a bias supply adjusted so the new tubes run at their optimal point. Okay. And that holds true primarily for class AB push-pull so amps. So it's kind of like a carburetor. Yeah. Oh. That's, 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 that's kind of what You can thank your Uncle Todd for helping everybody out right there. Yeah. The bigger way that I explain it is that um, if you replace the engine in your car, you rebuild the engine in your car. Yes. You wouldn't just leave the idle set where it was last time. You have to adjust it. I mean, who would do that? I don't know. But Not people do me. it all the time. Tony so, might. So th- that's... Okay. So that, that that's very helpful. That is yeah. very helpful. Finally. Oh, my God. I, God, well, I can't I, believe I made you, it through that. You, <laughs> at, you made the mistake of asking me the components TJ, of a tube. I to go to the bathroom. Yeah. Yeah, filter out that that component. So why did I think that it it had something to do with the voltage, the plate voltage? Um, It does. Okay, so, and this is where it gets very tricky. Um, What you're adjusting is a negative bias voltage. Negative bias voltage. Yeah, it does. And and that, so you're not adjusting the plate voltage. You're not adjusting any of the components, just the negative voltage that's going into the grid of the tube. Okay. And the more negative it is, is the the more it'll block the the um, flow of electrons, okay. the currents, and that's where you said you know it controls the voltage. No, it actually controls the current. Oh, the current. Okay. Yeah. Okay. The flow of electrons. That's what I mean. I don't know who invited the peanuts uh, parents, but oh, glad we're back. So. Um, <laughs> okay. So, so so let's actually answer this question here. Yes. So so uh, John's question was: Do I need to worry um, if I want to change tubes again? Preamp tubes? No. You can swap those in because of how they're biased. Don't need to do anything. In some amps, you can also swap out the output tubes without needing to, quote, adjust the bias. Okay. Okay. Um, I can't, there's there's too many different amps. You can't sure. say this one, this one. So, yeah, you you might be able to look it up you know, online and see, uh, even on the uh, manufacturer specs, they might say that it's cathode bias. Is, is biasing something that the, that the average... Todd should do, or I mean, I, it really should. I am be of the opinion. No. Tony's saying no, and I'm of the opinion no. Also, because um, it, there's there's no black magic to it, and it's really not difficult, and it's not rocket science. Mm-hmm. Um, but generally, um, so it's simple, like all that other stuff you were saying. Well, well, you, well, you can do it without <laughs> understanding any of that stuff. Uh-huh. But the problem is, is that a good percentage of the time. Um, somebody might slip with a with a uh, a lead of their meter, mm-hmm. um, or accidentally clip something in the wrong. There's a lot place. that can go wrong. There's a lot that can go yeah. wrong. You it's know? worth not. It's worth like giving it to somebody else and going and watching The Simpsons. Well, yeah, and, and this is like we talked about a couple uh, episodes ago about buying tubes. And I say, man, just find somebody a tech that you trust and just get the tubes from them. The point is that they're going to sell you the tube the same rate that you can get it for online. Yes. If you have a problem, they'll stand behind it. You don't have to ship the tubes off somewhere. Like with me, if you would bring in your amp, say, hey, Rob, it's been five years. I've been using it out on the road, and it sounds fine, but I just want to put in some new tubes for peace of mind. I've got new tubes and a fresh start on it. Okay, no problem. That's mm-hmm. a minimum bench fee. 
and you get the tubes the same cost you get them everywhere else i give you a 90 day warranty if in 89 days your amp blows up and it's an output tube i'll replace the output tube fix the problem and all that for minimum bench fee and obviously when i put in the tubes i'll give your amp a good clean bill of health make sure there's no other problems Mm -hmm. and adjust the bias and a hot oil massage there you go that's all right so 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 another part mm -hmm. of that question uh was uh uh, I believe it was like if Mesa Boogie said that you can, yeah. if you're using their tubes and the yeah. same same tube, same value, yes, um, same car, same tire, you, that you, that you don't, movie. or or you That's don't, a, the two Utes, <laughs> the two Utes, <laughs> the two what? <laughs> utes. The two what? Did you say Ute? <laughs> Back to Tony. So um, that uh, I think that's kind of. Not so great advice from Mesa Boogie. I mean, I think that, yes, you can. I mean, if your amp has 6L6s in it right now and you get a different 6L6, chances are it will be close enough to work. Mm. But, okay, let's... It's all a gamble. Yeah. It's all a gamble. You you might... There are variances, Tony. That that and, and that yeah. minute as they may be, no tube is exactly the same, Tony. This is true, and, and, and that's the except apparently for Mesa Boogie sitting in my no, seat today. No. <laughs> so so yeah, and, and this is and uh, Groove Tube I think was doing this way before. Bo- in fact, I know they were doing it before Boogie. They used to have the numbering system, Numbers, right? Yeah. And and way back in the day, I was a huge proponent of Groove Tube when Aspen still owned the company. Todd, you got a question? Aspen. Okay. Okay. Um, so anybody not familiar, Groove Tube, when you buy their output tubes in match duets or quads, they number them one to ten. That's and, two and four if you're not French. Okay. And, and they uh, and, and basically, if you were to uh, have your tubes replaced in your amp and you use number four, let's say, the next time that you replace the tubes, in theory, you buy a set that's numbered four, and you can put them in, and the bias adjustment is not necessary. Right. In general, with the way GrooveTube used to do things, that was pretty accurate um, because they would test them to such a high degree in the 10 numbering system. Mm-hmm. The tolerance that the within that number four was plus or minus such a small percentile, it wouldn't be exactly where it was before, but we're talking within you know, four or five percent at the most. Right. So it's plenty close enough. Right? Like the elastic on the various pairs of your underwear, Tony. Mm, they're pretty stretched out. <laughs> <laughs> you guys. <laughs> so me and Mesa Boogie are um how can I put this? Um we agree to disagree. And we're still friends. I still work on their amps and stuff, but you're a licensed person it's an interesting relationship you will not find me on their website no so that's all i'm going to say about that but but yes. but, but here is here is part of the reason um mesa boogie amps are not self-biasing um when you purchase their your their tubes and they say actually uh let me point this out for their warranty they in their uh, uh literature when you get their amp it specifies if you don't use mesa boogie tubes your warranty will be void oh. so they require you use their tubes and they say that it's because they test them and they're perfectly matched for their amps and all this stuff that is all doo-doo <laughs> <laughs> i love that word it it none of it is what they do is on almost all of their amps their amps are biased extremely cold which means that the tubes are running at a very low percentage of their maximum 
output. And what this allows them to do is that the, you, they could put in a very hot set of tubes and it still won't be over a, a uh, safe operating threshold. Um, so the downside is, and I have this all the time, I'll have a customer bring me, a, especially like a dual wreck, and they'll say, yeah, man, you know, my buddy sounds just much more dynamic, much more alive. I'm like, yeah, yours needs biased. It's, it's, it's biased really cold. And it's the, basically the tubes, output tubes are close to being in cutoff where they're almost turned all the way off. Mm. And I'll check out That's the amp. I'll good. be like, yeah, everything's good. I adjust the bias, give it back to them. People go, holy crap, it's a different amp. And I'm like, mm. yeah, because it was operating at 20% idle plate dissipation. We warmed it up to 55 and yeah, the amp comes alive. Yeah. So, but that's Mesa Boogie, why they say that you can put in. Uh, okay. You, and they're right. You can put in almost any tube into a Mesa Boogie. It's running lower octane. It, it's just, well, the, 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 the idle, it's barely not stalling out. It's yes. basically where they set them from the factory. Uh, yeah, so if you put idle. in a higher okay. octane, yeah, I it. then it just goes up to like, <laughs> oh, okay, it's actually idling at 1,000 RPM. Great. Yeah. Like where it should be. So that's the thing with Mesa Boogie. Okay. Uh, you had another question? On yes. Yeah. Uh, this is from Bob Monkhouse. This is uh, tubes. Is rolling tubes still a thing? Uh-huh. Yeah. Ooh, I kind of mentioned this. Um, uh, tube rolling um, is uh, when guys... Uh, I've never been this guy, but uh, guys will buy you know, like a half a dozen tubes or something and just swap them out of... Like, like the, different kinds of brands uh-huh. and mm-hmm. all that it's, stuff. And it's, it's preamp tubes, and it's typically the V1 position. Because... That does affect the gain structure of the amp the most. Mm. So guys, yeah, we'll, we'll you know they'll buy a whatever amp and it has a uh, soft tech in the first stage and they'll put in a tongue sole and then they'll put in this, they'll put in this, they'll put mm-hmm. in this. So and like we talked about uh, before, the preamp tube you can do that without any need of biasing. And yes, I don't know if it's still a thing. I don't hear about it as much anymore, but I know there's still guys out there that does it. You know, in your opinion, do you find that it that has produced uh, drastic results enough to roll your tubes. If it makes you happy, go ahead. Okay, you're that's not, a fair. That's a totally fair. You're not uh, going to yeah, hurt yeah. anything. Will you notice a difference? Depends on what two tubes you're comparing, or three, or whatever. Um, some tubes there'll be almost no difference. Other ones there'll be a, a very noticeable difference. Okay, so it's, it's not, not like be, going from like oh, I'm going to change my bumblebee to an orange drop. Yeah, well, you're yeah, also asking is, the wrong guy on that because I because okay. I think if I would build six amps with six different caps and tell you or how about this, I built six amps, tell you the six different caps, you couldn't tell. That's like, you my know point. what I mean? Yeah, yes. okay. yeah. So and that's the thing. And preamp tubes definitely make a difference because I even I have my preference. I like this one for this type of amp because of these characteristics. But in a pinch, could you use something else? Yeah, it's 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 minute differences, right. very minor differences. Okay, so that's good. Ooh, boy. Yep. Tubes, baby. Hey, speaking of tubes. Uh, <laughs> nice segue. Uh, you like yeah, that? Where are we going uh, from there? This is, uh, it says, you, you gave it a, a heading of HR series. Yeah, these tubes. were all from one, uh, all from one guy, and they all related to, to his He's amp. one of our guys. Mike D. Apparently, he has a Hot Rod Series amp, because I think all of his questions were okay. related to that. So here we go. Um, the tube shortage. I recall you mentioning there is a possible shoot to shoe tortage. <laughs> shoe tortage. Tube shortage. I want my tortage. <laughs> yeah. Tube shortage due to production <laughs> issues. Is there any particular brand of 6L6 and EL34 that you recommend in general? Um, yeah, let me update on the tube shortage thing. I finally got my long awaited back order from New Sensor. Mm-hmm. Um, which is great because they were able to fill everything. So oh, nice. This would be probably 
I don't know, 18 or so different types of tubes, meaning like a tongue sole 606, a gold lion, this blah, blah, blah. They were able to fulfill all of them. So I don't know if that just means that uh, I got lucky and I got what was coming in the last time, or if the quote shortage is just a little dip in production, we're back to normal. Only time will tell. So, right. Um, now you're asking about a particular brand of 606 or EL34, just like we were talking about, you know, a minute ago. Um, there, there's lots of good options, and I won't say that this is the only 606, it's the only EL34. Again, like we talked about a little bit ago, anybody that says, you know, Marshall's only good amp, Fender's only good amp is an idiot. Um, there, you know, it depends on what you're looking for. Yes. Um, I keep several options. That's French for, for opinionated, by the way, but go ahead. Okay. Um, <laughs> I keep several options for 606 or EL34s in stock at any time mm-hmm. um, because some lend, in my opinion, lend themselves better to different circuits. Okay. Um, but yeah, let's say there's, I'm going to say there's a dozen, uh, it's probably more than a dozen, probably close to two dozen different EL34s currently being produced. Okay. I keep three in stock. Wow. Um, JJ, uh, the JJ EL34, not the E34L, not the EL34 II, but the EL34. The Tungsol um, EL34 and the TAD EL34, uh, let me get this right, B-STR. TAD EL34 B-STR, which is actually, I think it's out of production right now, but... Um, so those are the three EL34s I keep, and it depends on what you want to use them for. Right. Um, 606, Tung Soul, uh, EL34, oh, geez, GC-STR. There's a 606 here on. 606, yep. So Tung Soul, 606, GC-STR, um, TAD, 606. Uh, I don't know if there's an uh, extension on that or... Hmm. There might be STR on the end of that one, too. Um, and then the uh, JJ, uh, 606GC. Those are the three that I keep. So same brand Yeah, for, no, you think about both it. It's, of those. It is the same brand. Yeah, how about that? Yeah. I mean, that, you really don't have to think about that that hard. It's just three. Well, uh, it, well, but, yeah. you know, I'm also keep – I get in my head, like if you'd ask me that for six weeks, <clears> they, they vary. So I do have to – Yeah. Yeah, yeah. smart ass. What do, you, what do you like on EL84s? <laughs> EL84, ah, see, perfect case. Um, Tungsol. That is my go-to. I keep JJ in stock as well, mm-hmm. only because I have to. Um, there are some amps out there, like the old Marshall DSL 401s. Uh, in their infinite wisdom, um, the, the, the uh, holes through the chassis for the tube is so tight, you can't fit a Tungsol EL84 in there. Really? The tolerance is that tight. The only current production EL84 that will fit through there is the JJ. Huh. So kudos to Marshall on that one. Good job, guys. <laughs> <laughs> so mm. literally, that's why I keep some JJs in stock. Is for And there's some other brands that have done the same thing where mm. it's like, you know, I, first time I went to retube one with Tungsol, it's like slam, slam. It won't go into the chassis. Uh, so, wow. Yeah. Hmm. Yep. What a thunk. All right. Thanks, Mike D. Here's another one. It is well known that Fender Hot Rod Series amps have problems with their filter capacitors or filter caps on the street. I have a 1996 model that is that probably needs new ones. When the time comes, what brand of filter caps would you recommend? Who asked that question? Mike D. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. So filter caps, you're absolutely right. That is, uh, yep. Hap- uh, almost every hot rod series amp out there has filter cap issues, except the very early ones, which his is. Uh huh. If you have a made in USA um, hot rod series, being the Hot Rod uh, Deluxe, DeVille, or the Blues Junior, if it says made in USA on the back of it, you have the IC caps, Illinois capacitance, um, a capacitor, capacitance caps, yeah. I think their name was actually okay. Illinois Capacitance, um, when they were still made in the U.S. And um, even though it's well past the 20-year point, which is the general threshold people consider safe for filter caps, um, I, I still open up many old 96, 97 USA-made Hot Rod Series amps. Filter caps are in perfect condition. Interesting. They, they, they haven't failed yet. The more recent ones, starting in the early 2000s, where IC moved over to China production, maybe? Indonesia? Ah, somewhere overseas or bought out. Mm. Um, those those caps suck to the point that I have replaced some under warranty that were new store stock. Ooh. Oh, wow. The Yikes. units hadn't even left the store yet, and the caps had failed. That's not good. Not good at all. So he's absolutely right. Hey, F- speaking F- of filter caps. time... Can you explain just really quick? Elevator. What's a filter cap? Okay, filter cap is actually not a thing. A filter cap describes the use of a capacitor, um, its placement in the circuit and what it's used for. Um, they, so if you go in a store and say, I want to purchase a filter cap, the guy would just start laughing at you because there is no such thing as a filter cap. Um, it is electro, typically electrolytic capacitor. It doesn't have to be. Oops. Um, typically, electrolytic capacitor that is placed in the uh, uh, high tension or high voltage section of an amp to filter out the residual AC noise. Aha! So it, that's where the name filter so cap... So if your filter caps are going bad, your noise, your amp is going to be noisy. Noisy in some way. You're going to either have 120 hertz hum on it, or mm-hmm. sometimes um, if you play on an amp and you've got these weird ghost notes happening, mm-hmm. that's filter caps. Or sometimes you have oscillation where you hit a note and then the amp just kind of takes off with some weird... Something or sometimes a lot. Sometimes a motorboat you hear like a sound. Keep it clean, Todd. I didn't do anything. Keep it. See, this is why we need a video camera. Tony just about lost his. So on that same note, should we answer the the exact question Mike asked though? Yeah, answer the question. When you when it's time to replace your caps in the Hot Rod series, at least right now, my brand to go to and has been for about a decade is F and T. F and and okay. F and T. F ampersand T. T. Okay. That's it. Yep. Those are my go-to caps. Great. Right now. Um, last one from Mike D. Well, wait a minute. I, uh, I wanted to do a follow-up on that. So, um, how many times can you safely touch the leads of a filter cap? Well, as many as after the first one, then you, <laughs> <laughs> you can just keep right on going. I mean, <laughs> the first one's the one that hurts after that. <laughs> <laughs> and, it, and, and that's the other thing, you know, people, and we've talked about that on here before, people, if your amp's not plugged in and you go poke inside the amp, it'll hurt, but it's not going to kill you, you know? I mean, as long as the amp's unplugged, you know? Yeah. I mean, you'll feel it and probably won't poke your finger inside the amp again after that, but it's, <laughs> I mean, you know, I get hit at least a few times a year and it's not the end of the world, you know? Yeah. So. That hmm. explains a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> All right. All right. Did Last I answer one. all of Mike's questions? No. Nope. Here we go. Okay. Tungsol 
tubes seem to be a good fit so far in my hot rod, but I'm curious to know what you would suggest. Tongue saw are great. You kind of already did. Well, and this goes back to why I keep different tubes. It's for different uses. Um, tongue saw are great in a hot rod series. Um, one downside about tongue saws in a hot rod is that um, on the if you a lot of people on the hot rod series deluxe devils they don't use the gain channel. They use as a clean pedal platform. Tongue saw is great for that. It gives you that very uh, chimey fender high end and a little more of a round bottom. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the gain side, the tongue saw, because the gain side on those amps are so noisy and so um, ice picky, and, and they've got a lot of upper mids that's very um, nasally sounding, um, the tongue saw is a high amplitude, high gain tube, um, and it's not great for that setting. So the point of all this is that I usually qualify this. If someone says I've got a Hot Rod Deluxe DeVille, I want it retubed, I go, do you use the clean channel only as a pedal platform or do you use both channels? If they use it as clean pedal platform, tongue saw. If they use both channels, JJ. Okay. That's, that's, uh, that's, that solves everything. Did you black out right there for I kind of did for a second. There's <laughs> a lot of information. I think he just touched a filter cap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, we would have heard like a, whoa! <laughs> um, all right. This one, uh, this is a late phone in. This is from Blair Toast. Um, what? So, in uh, a peanut butter jelly sandwich, peanut butter on both sides or just one side of the one bread? One side. One side, but it's so thick it doesn't matter. It's really like... The bread is there just to hold the, the peanut butter together. Okay. Well, a follow-up to that. Yes. Butter side up or butter side down on toast? Huh? I, I don't understand the I question. don't understand that either. If you Do you butter the top side or the bottom side Why of the toast? You, you well, mean you would, just, you would eat just it with the bottom on... dripping? Yes. Oh, That's okay. Ridiculous. okay cause, cause Who does that? Russians. Russians why, do that? Why would yes. you want it dripping down? Well, on, I don't, that doesn't make because any sense they can at all. Get, they get the maximum taste of the butter. That's ridiculous. Huh. Look it up. They need to, well, they're Dr. clearly Dr. not Dr. using Seuss. enough butter. Dr. See, Seuss wrote see, a, 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 a story about I was about to make about a joke, it. like this is why they don't have like, you know, you know, a company like Apple or anything. But then again, you know, the, these are the same people that uh, we we made the uh, the pen they'll write in space, and they just use a pencil. So yes, you know, yeah. So I mean, that's yeah, logic. But no, uh, up. I don't always butter side up because butter side up. I don't like to wear my food, but yeah, you try it that's, sometime. Yeah. Well, I'm now. You know what? It's funny, but I'll text you tomorrow and let you know how it goes. <laughs> I want photos. Uh, I don't know about that, Tony. That's a little personal. Yeah, you know. Okay, so uh, let's let's keep this moving. Enough of this nonsense. Yeah, way to go, Todd. Nice one. Uh, yeah, you sidetracked with that, Rob. One, I buddy. can't take you anywhere. Um, all right, so this is from. Where did we go here? Yes, this is issues slash red flags. Mm. Okay, the first one is from Carl Spackler. This is, I'm a newer player, but my dad gifted me this old Fender Reverb. What are the most common issues I should look out for as I continue to play it? Hmm. That's a great question. Unfortunately, I don't have a great answer. And the reason being is that um, with anything of vintage, um, there are just too many potential issues. Um, You can reference podcast number... Anybody know which one it was when we talked about if you're buying a vintage amp, what to look out for? yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, that was uh, number uh, 173. Okay. 
So yeah, go back through the catalog and find that one. Um, <laughs> Somewhere around there. Because we basically spent an hour and a half talking about what to look for in each you know, different circuit. Um, but the problem with vintage amps is that uh, they've hardly ever been, um, uh, haven't been serviced at all or have only been serviced by a very skilled qualified technician. Most of the time, it's a mixture of decent uh, service, um, excellent service, and then absolute hacks. So the amp is a, a grab bag of stuff. Okay. So unfortunately, really, you know, if you want to continue using that amp, Carl, um, I would, again, find a local tech you like and trust. He'll charge you a minimum bench fee to tell you exactly the status of your amp, what should be addressed, what is great, what is original, what isn't. And then you know what you're looking at long term. And there's a chance that he'll give it back to you and go, yeah, pay me 50 bucks. Everything's perfect in this amp. Don't need to do anything. So. Okay. All right, that's a great explanation. Rob, thank you so much for doing that thank for you, us. Thank you, uh, Let's see here. The next one is from Nathan Savage. Um, what are the warning signs to not buying an amp from a vintage, new, and or original perspective? Okay, again, vintage, it's almost impossible to really, you know, tell you, because uh, uh, especially vintage amp, it's... It's going to show signs of use. I mean, I guess there's obvious things, like if you plug it in and it has some weird hums, some weird clicks, pops, assume that you're going to be into it for some money. I mean, I guess that's kind of common sense. Um, but, it, yeah, there's nothing that you can look at and go, well, you know, if this does this, you know, it, there, there's just too many options out there. Um, uh, new... From a vintage, new, and original perspective. I'm not sure what he meant by new and original perspective. Well, I guess not. maybe not modified. Okay. Or just, you know, out of the store. Well, I mean, and, and that's case in point. Is that if well, it, may, it, well, actually, so vintage being like super old, new being like, hey, this is a couple years old. Something more current. And or original might be like right out of the store maybe. Okay. I guess. Something like uh, that. Well, we'll go with that then. So, yeah, with vintage um, and, and actually in new – Honestly, um, look up reviews because if there's a known problem in an amp, you're gonna you'll be able to type in, you know, whatever Joe's, you know, Marshall clone amp, whatever, and you'll see other reviews come up where guys go, man, I this thing blew up on me two gigs, mm. two days, in this, the, the, and you know, so you can use your, your community on that. Um, but uh, I'm a big proponent um, buy from a store that'll give you some form of a warranty, even if it's only 30, 60 days on it. And then again, if you're saving money, you're buying used, or it's this really hard to find vintage amp, you get a great deal on it. Again, I sound like a broken record. Take it to a tech you trust. Mm. Um, and I've got customers that do this, and they'll buy something from a store, and they bring it to me. And I'd say one out of four, um, we find a pretty serious problem, and it either returns it or the store makes it right for them. You know? Well, so, so I, I think as a follow to that, a good two good caveats. One... If you're buying a vintage amp, no going into it that you're probably going to put, going to put some extra money into. Even if you buy it from a something. guy who says everything's just been done. Yeah, it's it's going to need so looked at. So it's a six hundred dollar amp. It's an eight hundred dollar amp. Easily, and secondly, if the price is so yes. good, 
There's probably a reason for yes, it. Yes, absolutely. So either way, be prepared to spend a little extra dough. Absolutely. A, a great deal. Yeah, and I get that all the time. People go, well, you know, I got a great deal on it. It's like, well, you're putting 600 bucks into it. I don't think it was that great of a deal now, you know? Mm, yeah. So, yeah. Indeed. Good advice. To all you. right. The last one, this is from Charles Bonus. Uh, this is... <laughs> Issues, uh, a boutique builds. I like oddball amps. I own several old amps and a couple of new smaller builder amps. I've heard reference to amp safety on the show. As a, as a player, what does that mean to me? What should I be concerned about? Yeah. Did we already talk about this or were we mm. just talking? Okay. No. I think we we're just talking. Well, I think when you're talking about your Bell and Howell experience. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 There you go. Yeah. Okay. I seem like deja vu here. Um, yeah, he's right. We I, I mentioned this quite a bit. Um, there are certain things when you build an amplifier that need to be done a certain way for the unit to be safely used by a consumer. Um, this typically applies to how the AC voltage is delivered into the unit. How is it shielded, grounded, isolated, so that if something goes wrong, the IEC... Uh, connector on the back breaks off, there's not a chance of the chassis becoming hot and shocking you, which we talked about before. You could touch an amp that's not plugged in and you'll get a little zap, but no big deal. But if something breaks on the back of your amp, the chassis goes hot, it's still plugged into the the wall. Wiggles. Yeah. And and it's still plugged into the wall. So every time you touch the chassis, the chassis is hot. That, that could kill you. Yeah, cause a fire in your house, cause serious damage. Okay. So that's usually what I talk about. Now, as far as how does an end user identify this, you can't. You can't. But I tell you one thing. If the amp says CE certified on the back of it for export, yeah, it is safe. Okay, so this is something that we've talked about offline a couple times. Like, And, and you mentioned that CE certification is really, really expensive. And that's why... It is. That's why kind of only the big dogs... Yeah. doing it right yeah but you also mentioned something very interesting which is you you, you don't have to Doesn't get have the to. certification to to use the same code exactly to to do this to build the exactly. same way for safety exactly just if it, if it has this you're, you're literally paying for the certificate exactly okay you're paying so if it has a sticker on it that means that not only does it follow all those very tight criteria demanded by the eu um which is European Union, yeah, um, but uh, yeah, so so it not only follows all that, but yeah, like you said, it's also certified, which has to be to, for export, right? right? But like you said, anybody can uh, can uh, uh, do these things, so it meets it's those following requirements. A recipe. Yeah, I mean, and it's actually very simple things. It, it's it, and and that's the biggest problem I find. As he's talking about, um, uh, I like oddball amps, I think he said. Yeah. Um, in the small builders or something like that. I don't know what he meant by oddball. I don't know literally if that's like w- like weird ones or just yeah, maybe well, lesser known yeah, or something exactly. like that. Yeah, exactly. What he's probably talking about, yeah, oddball amps, amps that uh, aren't mainstream probably and yes. quirky, you know, like, oh, hey, I took a champ and I put, I don't know, you know, EL84s in it and put an extra gain stage. Well, that's an oddball amp, but yeah. but Or, 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 or some of the ones where uh, they're doing... Like clones, the clones, but they're following old circuit. I don't, don't actually. I you have, just did a post on that, didn't you? I would say, don't I have one of those right now? Yeah, <laughs> that I was. I, I boy, yeah, I, I they all blur together, Todd. But yeah, sure. I, I think I actually have one right now that I'm I'm correcting issues that where somebody that's right, yeah, yeah. It was a uh, it's a builder in um, I want to say New Jersey, 
New Jersey, Maryland, I don't know, somewhere on the East Coast, um, where it's basically a Fender amp, and he's made a few changes to the preamp, added a little switch here, a little switch there, and uh, this circuit should have had 6v6s, he's putting 6 all 6s into it. So he tweaked a couple little things, but basically it is a Fender, you know, whatever clone, you know. Right. Um, and he copied and pasted all of the um, design choices that Fender made in the 50s and the 60s. And back then, it, the amps weren't... There wasn't CE. Yeah, well, yeah, that's just... Yeah, I mean, at this time, they're still uh, 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 ungrounded AC Very, mains, yeah. you know, yeah. All that is, you know, I, I don't want to fail mentioning that, like, you know, part of the excitement of being a, a guitar enthusiast is there are so many choices and there's always like new awesome builders and weird amps being made and stuff like that. And it's really exciting. Um, and you know, you were talking about pulling back, uh, going back to some of those early, early circuits. So those are, we got to remember those are 50 to 70 years old now. Mm -hmm. Yep. 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 Yeah. And, and, and what we're talking about with the, uh, the, his question about, uh, uh, safety, you know, there, uh, there are, we've learned a lot over the years. Like we talked about back in the 50s and 60s, the amps weren't even grounded. Um, now everything has to be grounded, and there's other improvements have been made um, that you know some amp manufacturers have, have updated, and other ones are keeping them very traditional to the old 50s and 60s circuits. Mm -hmm. So unfortunately, as an end user, though, there's almost no way for you to be aware of this looking from the outside. Mm -hmm. So, you know. Actually, you... Could even if there's pictures, a lot of these, you know, a lot of these guys are taking pictures of the actual, mm -hmm. you know, their wiring and the, you know, everybody's proud of the guts mm -hmm. and stuff, and they share it on on Instagram. You can probably see a couple of major major offenses if yeah, you know, and so you can say, yeah. hey, I'm looking at this amp. Send it to your to your amp tech and say, hey, what do you think? Yep, you know, yep, because yep. you know it's, it's it's an investment. And it's it's if it sounds great and you love it and it's going to be worth it hopefully it's it's a it's a safe one right yep on the same note um i mean in a lot of cases reissue amps um if they're reissued from a 50s amp or something 50s would be point to point wiring usually the reissues now are circuit board what is your take on point to point versus uh mm -hmm. circuit board good question tony um i i do not believe that one one form of construction versus another is is always better, is always worse. It's really, it really goes back to how it's laid out, the components that are used, um, the quality of the build overall, meaning mm -hmm. that, that you could have, um, and I see this all the time, it's in a small, um, they're typically the, the DIY clones somebody will bring in, and the components are good, and it's all point-to-point -point wiring, but it was done by a drunk monkey <laughs> you know and and so so and, and this is why i see them is that people will buy them online because it's a plexi clone and they bought it yeah. for 500 dollars diy and it is good components got the sozo caps got all this and the guys are excited about it and they get it home and they plug it in it's not working it's making all these noises and they bring it to me i'm like oh god mm. and this happens literally half the time on diy amps people bring me so again somebody else already built them they're buying them secondhand diy mm. um i open up i have to call the customer and go hey we have to gut it mm. there isn't no, it's so 
every inch of it is such a disaster as far as build quality. But then on the flip side, you could have a very high quality PCB made clone that's made by whatever company and they're using worse uh, quality components, but it's going to be a better product because mm. it's made to more exacting standards. Mm-hmm. No, no globs of solder. Yeah, yeah. So, so in my opinion, it, and again, people go, it's got to be point to point. It has to be turret. It has to be this. That's all crap. It's it's a combination of everything, you know. Mm. Good to know. Thanks, Rob. Yeah. All right. So this is uh, we're gonna hit solid state. Versus tubes. The great debate. The great debate. <laughs> hey, this is from Bob Grout. Uh, this is, why do people seem to prefer tube amps over solid state, scientifically speaking? Now, remember, this isn't they're good or they're bad. It's, yeah. They, and, and for the record, there there are some fantastic sounding solid state amps out there. Mm-hmm. There really are. I mean, iconic uh, jazz choruses. The I mean, Randall the, line. Roland. Randall. Randall. Oh. Do you not remember Randall amps? No, yeah, I remember, but, but I'm searching my brain. I'm like, there is no <laughs> legendary Randall solid stadium I can think of. Mm. I thought that's what Dimebag played. Anyway, um, anyways. I don't know if this is tube, tube or not, but but even if they were, they're, they're anyways. <laughs> yeah, I used to have a big, giant Randall head. I know you did. Oof. Oh, yeah, Todd Oof. was another was one. Oof. That's, yeah. that's yeah. It was, it was Whereas, again, the Roland Jazz but I also didn't know what I was yeah. doing. <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know how to use the yeah, thing. That's fine. And, so anyways, and you know, yeah. Anyways, uh, so what was our question? So, uh, okay, sonically, scientifically speaking, why do some people prefer tube amps and salt state? Um, hmm. If you, if you, uh, <laughs> okay, I'm trying to think of how to put this. That I wouldn't alienate. Is this going to go to a perfect sound versus? No, it's nope. not. It's not perfect sound. Okay. And there's a thing. And for some things, you might prefer a solid state amp you might prefer that randall amp that you winced at if you want this certain broken yeah you know you know it's all about tones and palettes right yes generally i think most the people that prefer tube amps okay how about this i'll speak for myself the reason i prefer tube amps is that they are more three-dimensional they're more responsive to your playing they're more responsive to the pedals they're more responsive to pick attack um, and there, there's more complexity to the signal. And that's talking about scientifically speaking, there is literally more overtones and more detail to the sound if you would analyze the actual signal that comes out of a tube amp versus a solid state amp. That's why I personally prefer tube amps. But again, if I wanted a certain sound, I might plug into a jazz you know, chorus or a Randall, whatever, to get a right. different tone that doesn't have that or different character. Right. Yeah. So let me put a different uh, spin on that. If 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 you spin don't away, mind. Todd. Okay. Let's say you had a um, um, you know, like a a, a nice like a like a PVVTX. <laughs> Something like that. I thought you said but, nice. Hey, take it easy. <laughs> so uh, no, but you have you have something with with a lot of quote unquote headroom. Okay. okay, that is basically a clean sound. Okay, uh, just a kind of a pure signal, right? That up against the pure signal of like a Princeton that's got some juice to okay. it. It's it's two completely different worlds. It, it's two complete and, and and this why and 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 when I say things like like characteristic and 
overtones and everything. I'm not talking about gain and how it breaks up. I'm talking about just a clean signal. Okay. It's going to have so, more of these yeah, overtones. A clean signal with... Now, if you are somebody who is like, I got to have four overdrives and I'm stacking them and I'm running uh, you know, a fuzz at the end or, or do, you know, doing all kinds of crazy stuff, that doing that through an amp that you spent a lot of money on character with versus something that's super clean with a lot of headroom on it. That's uh, an interesting debate. Well, and... And and, and it's all to your ears. It's not good or bad. It's just it, an interesting and, and discussion. Exactly. And, and somebody will want all that into a very sterile, clean, solid stadium because that, that's the, the final piece in their puzzle. And the other guy wants a fuzz... That's you know uh, a clipping dead battery kind of thing yeah. into a broken up Marshall because that's the sound you know so yeah there's no right or wrong answer there's right. no right or wrong, but but again back to his question asking why some people prefer tube over solid state I'm guessing it's because of those characteristics that are inherent to a tube that solid state just physically yeah, can't it's a reproduce certain, uh, je ne sais quoi yeah it, it's it's the I in, would inconsistencies say, of it you know yeah in, inconsistency and. Dare I say, defect. Asymmetry. Absolutely. I mean, Absolutely. It, a tube amplifier is not a perfect amplifier. No, 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 no. And, and that, that's what makes them so glorious is that they're, they're uh, it, it, yeah, you're absolutely right, Tony. It's all the, f the shortcomings that make the tube amps so great. Yeah, inconsistent. Yeah. Mm, interesting. So it really, de it depends completely on your ears. What you're going for. And I, I, you know, I think if you are, if you like the sound that's coming out of pedals, I mean, you could go into a power amp, you know, just like a... And some know, guys like a, too. Yeah. Yeah, and there's more and more guys, especially... And I will say this, and, and I don't think anybody's going to get upset with me saying this. The heavier sound you go after, meaning like if you're going after like the Slipknot, Lamb of God kind Boom. of sound, yeah, that kind of stuff, it matters less and less. Right, because um, you're not hearing from that, amp characteristics. That, that may... That may torque some people well, off. Well, no, but, I mean, but when we're talking... What we're talking about is we're talking about subtleties, yeah, You're subtle, overriding well, subtleties with well, there like, you go. It, that much distortion, that much it, volume. And that, that much. They are doing, you hit on, it's so much gain. It is compressed to such a point and gained to such a point that the subtleties are then yeah. just I'm just not saying they're not there at all right. or you're, you know... I'm not right, because uh, as soon as you say that, all, all the guys are using dual racks or 5150s or, just you know. went, whoa, Todd, whoa, Well, yeah, whoa. I mean, there, there's a whole <laughs> range of them out there. And and I'm not making, I'm not at all passing judgment on anything yeah, like were. that. Yeah, you were. I'm not. Yeah, you were. Um, but there's a difference between the guy who is playing a single note, but, you know, just wanting to hear the, the sweet bend, you know, like, a, like John Mayer versus, you know, yeah. uh, pick anybody who's playing anything super heavy. Right. That's a big difference yeah. in tonal absolutely uh, yeah. expectation, you know. Yep. Um, right. Anyways, okay. So how and we that's all subjective. That so we got all subjective. Yep. We were trying not to get subjective. Um, all right, uh, we are on to uh, Jonathan Jerusik. There are so many great sounding amps that are not tube based. Orange Crush, Quilter, Helix Headrush, Neural DSP, Fractal, Kemper, etc. Positive with, grid. Positive grid. <laughs> um, uh, with, the, with there only being two factories in the world making tubes, where do you see guitar amps going in the next five to ten years? Um, will we be completely solid state? Will digital rule supreme? And there was a, a, a similar question to that um, by, uh, uh, where'd it go? Um, hang on. 
what is the amp of the future? And that was from Goldman Guitars. Okay. And that kind of leads into it a little bit. I mean, obviously, you're not a soothsayer, and you don't know right. say that 10 times fast. I, I, I will say this, though, and Tony will most likely remember this. Um, late 80s and early mid-90s, tubes were looking very dim. Mm-hmm. There were very few amps. Uh, like, all the manufacturers switched to solid state almost exclusively, like Fender. I don't even know if they were making anything with tubes until, uh, what's his name? Um, uh, Bill Schultz. Did, uh, no, I was no. going to say uh, uh, the guy that uh, that did the Viber King. Oh, uh, shit. Yeah, you know, not Zinke. Anyways, um, but there was a, a, a good amount of time that they were producing almost no tube amps, no production reissues, none of that kind of stuff. Right. Um, and at the same time, uh, tube production was at all time low. This is before Matthews right. had That's really... That's where Fender was making like the red knob chorus kind exactly, of stuff. Exactly, exactly. And those were, that that was their main offering, you know? Mm-hmm. I had um, one of those. Yeah. Um, and, and, and my point there is that production at that time was scary. Mm-hmm. Like the Czech factory had closed down for the first time. Nobody had reopened it. Mike Matthews was just getting a foothold um, over in, in Russia, starting to buy up other brands and start to, you know. So, so we've already kind of gone through that. And I honestly... Compared to now, that was a much darker time. That was very serious, like, wow, our tube's going to go away. Mm. I don't believe tubes are going to go away. Um, I think there's always going to be a factory or two in these almost third-world countries um, that'll keep producing tubes in some some form. Um, and it'll be good enough for us to get by. You know, it's going to be similar to what it is now. Paul Rivera. There you go. Rivera. <laughs> Rivera. Yeah. Yeah. When he came back, that was that was the beginning of tubes back at Fender again. But um so so I don't see tubes going away, but I'll say this. Um I still uh this is me being an anal nutbag. Um Kemper, Helix, Fractal are, to do with that, right? are are great products. It's okay, I'm aware of it. Um all those all those companies are great products and they've come so far from the kidney bean pod of 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. It's not even funny. But um, I can, and I've done this. I've done this myself. I have modeled a, a deluxe, a, a two Bogners, a this, a this, a this, and my Kemper. I've done this with a Helix and all this stuff. Dial in a sound, I go, wow, that's pretty good. Okay, that's pretty close to a Shiva Ecstasy or a Bogner Ecstasy or a Boogie Dual Rack. Okay, cool. And then I turn around and plug into one. I go, oh, no, it's not. It is what it is. There's so much back to the characteristic and there's so much nuance with the tube amps that it's gotten way better. They're they're capturing and sampling more and more detail, but it's still not there. But isn't part of that the you know the the feeling of an amp the SPLs? Yes. I mean it's just you like a fender. Move, you SPLs. have to move the speaker. You have to move Sound the pressure speaker. levels. Um, and, and that, to me, when you're plugging into an yeah. amp, whether it be a twin, which is super clean, but it, yep. it, you can feel it buckle your knees, yeah. or any of these others. Well, and, and, and if you're playing a twin on, let's say, three or so, um, part of that is, and, and a, a lot of guys usually do this with gain amps, that they find themselves having to turn up the gain more and more, versus if the amp was just a little louder, my whole point of twin, if your amp has, is loud and even clean, when you hit a certain note, it's going to sustain. Right. Because it's that it's the feedback of loud volume coming from the amp through your speakers, the pickups picking that up, and the amp and the guitars working together. Yeah. (laughs) So and and when and when you plug into a helix and go in direct and have in ear monitors, all that's gone. Yeah. 
So it just is what it is. And 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 I'll, some of my friends are, are hardcore Helix users and Fractal and, and Kemper users. And they're going direct in the house kind of thing. Exactly. Direct. Yeah. yeah they, they they walk in and I I envy them in some degree because they walk in with a guitar on their back and this tiny little 10 pound quote pedal board that has a controller in it. Yeah. They set up in two minutes, you know, there's no hassle. And they don't have to worry about is my stuff going to work. For the most, I mean, you know, <laughs> because when one of these do fail, it's game the frick over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, it's 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 like your 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 uh, your Windows ninety five system just locked. It. You're you're screwed. <laughs> Blue <Yeah>. screen, <laughs> Blue screen, dig yeah. over. You know, but um, but my point on this is that uh, some of my friends are like, oh, you just hate all that stuff. You're a snob about this. Hey, man, I understand the preference and the place for it. For me to enjoy playing. I enjoy that give and take between the instrument, the tube, yeah. the speakers, that, that circle. And some people don't have that luxury. You know, if you're, you're living right. in an apartment or a condo well, well, or a townhome it, it, or a... Well, how about... The, you're, you're a working musician that's doing fly gigs. Yeah. You can't yeah. be lugging your half stack, and, and, and it's better to have a Kemper than to have faith that when you show up, the back line is going to be something you can use. Yeah. Or you do or casino any number gigs. Of those you know, or you do a bunch of wedding gigs. You can't, you can't do that. Right. You know, so it, yeah, they have their place just. Right. Or if you're, if you're doing four hours of, uh, of cover covers at like a, a great paying gig, gig at a bar, it's like you have to run through a lot of variances in your, in I did, your sound. And, I did that Saturday. Yeah. Four, so four with, hours. with the tube amp, four hours, yeah, three, three, but, one yeah. hours. Yeah, it, that can be done absolutely. But so anyway, so yeah, so I don't see them going away. I think that the the, the modeling stuff and the solid state, the, the digital stuff is going to get better and better. And you know what? In 20 years, we have this conversation. We might go, you know what? It's damn close enough. Yeah. We're now at 99.9%. Yeah. Yeah. Well, by that time, you'll have your space station. Right. I'll be, uh, I'll be doing business. tubes in space. Right. Perfect. Yeah. 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 I'll be retired. All right. Uh, <laughs> let's keep this moving. DIY service. So this is from Steve Keys. Where would one go to learn about amp repair if one is interested? I have no idea. Yes, you do. No. I, I, unfortunately, because here's the thing. There's, um, if you want to go learn how to build guitars, there's schools for that. Yeah. You want to learn to be a uh, recording engineer. There's schools for that. You want to learn to be a amp tech or even just a, a musical instrument, uh, electronic repair tech in general, work on keyboards, whatever. There are no schools. Mm. I don't, I'm not aware of a single school that specializes in this. Interesting. And furthermore, when I got my degree, um, there were there were tech programs. In electronics? My, my degree is, is it's a, a Bachelor of, uh, of Arts Science uh, with a a focus on uh, small electro, uh, what is it, electronic, electronic circuit, small electronic circuits, I think it was called. Um, but the point being, it was it was based on small circuits still. Mm-hmm. Most colleges don't offer that anymore because nobody, there are designers that design the small circuits, but for the most part, there's no tech jobs, there's no bachelor's degree programs that necessary for that anymore. Um, so yeah. Didn't I just see though in uh, the last couple issues of Vintage Guitar, I think Gerald Weber is doing a video, uh, course for <laughs> amp repair. I, I, I trust you on that. Um, there are some guys that have done amp classes and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know of any comprehensive program that will get you from, from, I don't know, I'm, 
I'm 19. I graduated high school. I want to do this. I don't know anything. Right. How can I open up a shop in two years? Yeah. I don't know of any programs no, that can you're get right. you there. Not like a Roberta Venn kind exactly. of thing. Exactly. That's what I mean. For everything else, there's some, there might only be a few, but there's some sort of specialized trade schools. Right. You know, six month program, one year program to get you well on your way. Right. Um, so it, it's rough. I mean, it's, I am a firm believer though, that if you really want to do it well, you unfortunately need the higher education um, you need some sort of degree in electrical engineering. Mm. I really do believe that because the people that I'm not going to say all or a certification. You don't have to get a bachelor's. You can get a you know like a trade school kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, it, it'll be yeah some, but that that's the point though is unfortunately there there aren't even mo- associates you, degrees that will take you from usually. painting by numbers to understanding what the circuits are doing. Yes, yes, exactly. Very good, Todd. And um, and and I have some close friends that don't have that never did the formal education i'm not saying it's it's impossible it's a whole lot harder to teach yourself physics than it is to sit in a classroom and learn from somebody that, sure. that has 40 years experience okay. you know? good one good one good good question steve all right here's a uh, kind of a follow-up to that um uh, this is from trevor gunberg what are two to three youtube amp guys that you mentioned um that are worth uh watching and or following okay um uncle doug is not bad um, he's pretty popular out there. Um, Uncle Doug. Uncle Doug. I think it's Uncle Doug or Uncle Doug's okay. something. Yeah. I'm sorry. I don't have the website saved on me. Um, quite all right. But yeah, um, he's, he's fairly popular. He's got quite a few followers out there. Um, he's, he's really good. Um, yeah, he's really good. Um, my favorite guy, Psionic Audio is I think how you say it. It's P-S-I-O-N-I-C Audio. And uh, the guy's name is Lyle. Um, he is my favorite guy um, because he his attention to detail is very good, and he is very knowledgeable and has decades of experience, and it shows. Um, okay. Just how matter-of-fact he can examine a circuit um, and his, his depth of knowledge. Yeah. Okay. He, good, good, good. All right. Uh, Steve Keys also says, when bleeding capacitors prior to working on them, how does one determine the resistor value to fabricate a bleeder circuit? Do I need to go get something to eat while you do this? No, one? no. This okay. is going to be really simple. <laughs> um, simple like the first thing? Si- yeah, simple like, well, don't ask questions like, <laughs> like, like, well, Rob, what is the construction of a resistor? You know, don't ask these kinds of questions and we'll keep on track. <laughs> what is the hypotenuse of an isosceles triangle? Exactly. Yeah, we'll just stick with the question here. You know, how does one determine the resistor value? Um, it actually, it honestly doesn't really matter. You could use almost any value resistor. It will bleed the circuit. I use a 10K 25 watt. The reason I use a 10K 25 watt is that in as far as resistance goes, 10K is somewhere in the middle. It's not too low. It's not too high. So the lower the resistance you go, the more current, the more quickly it's going to discharge stuff, but it's going to have a lot of current so that resistors can get hot very quickly. I mean, you might get a little spark too when you apply it. Mm. 10K isn't too low. But if you go too high, you'll be sitting there like, you know, you can make some coffee, go take the dogs for a walk, and it's still bleeding if you put a one meg resistor on it. So 10K is a nice middle ground, 25 watts, so that way it can take 500 volts. Like at at 10K, if you apply 500 volts to it, you forget to unplug your amp and you tack it in to bleed the circuit, it's still plugged in. It's not going to blow the resistor. It can take that. Okay. So 10K, 25 watt. All right. Good, good, good. All right. Uh, this one is from Danny Bear. 
uh, with a choice of Marshall, Fender, or Vox, would you choose Jalapeno Cheddar, Flamin' Hot, or Limon Spice <laughs> Cheetos? Uh, and why? Uh, what were the options Jalapeno again? Cheddar, Flamin' Hot, or Limon? Okay, I got to go with the Jalapeno. Okay. Um, and and I'll, I'll, I'll qualify this by I have not eaten a Cheeto in... 30 years well you know they are the cheese that goes crunch yes there there is no cheese in there it i don't know what chemical they're putting in there to make it (laughs) (laughs) it is not cheese-based product well you will find (laughs) in 20 years from now it's how you repair tubes in outer space (laughs) yes well yeah that's that's the only thing that'll survive (laughs) all right uh, we're going on to miscellaneous stuff here um this is from from, uh arnold arnold babar arnold babar Babar? Um, Wait a minute, isn't that like a cartoon Babar? Kind there of. was a children's book. Yeah. That, but yeah. It's not the same. Um, Are you sure? Uh, uh, this is pedal, amp, pedal platform amp. I love pedals, and in the pedal world, there's lots of talk about headroom. Explain that a little bit. I think we kind of talked a little bit mm-hmm. about that, but we can we touch on it. And how is this best for pedals? Uh, does Or is it best for pedals? Does this mean the sound of my amp is producing will not be as good with an amp that breaks up earlier? Preference, right? Preference. Yeah, you, yeah. Do I want to put in that tube screamer into a, a amp that has more headroom and is more neutral, so I'm just hearing the pedal itself, or do I want that pedal to accentuate a sound I'm already getting with my amp? Preference. Okay, so so the, the headroom, for those who don't know, the headroom is basically eliminating any distortions or, or sort of overdrive tones that are coming from the amp. Yeah, yeah. The term headroom a lot of time is, is probably misused more often than, than yeah, Tony's shaking his head, yes. Yeah. Um, it, it's kind of a catch-all term. Um, headroom alone means, like what you described, Todd, where it uh, it will get louder and it will not reach the saturation point. Right. At, but typically people equate headroom with also an amp that is um, very, what I say neutral, mm-hmm. is um, if you plug into a uh, Vox AC15, you're going to know you're plugged into a Vox AC15 right away mm-hmm. because it is doing lots of things to your, your the tonality of your guitar, right? Sure. Whereas if you plug into a, um, I'm trying to think of something right off the top of my head. Uh, okay, let's say a basement. That's way more neutral sounding. It's not chopping off as much lows and it's not accentuating this highs. It's not breaking up as quickly. So it's a more neutral amp. So most of the time when guys go, I need a high headroom amp for a pedal platform, they're also saying, I want a neutral amp. I don't want something that sounds instantly like a Vox, instantly sounds like a Marshall. Mm. I want it to be in a very middle ground. So if I put this pedal into it, it'll let the pedal control more of the sound. Mm. Possibly. That might be right. Basically, when you think headroom, think of... um, the pure amplification of the sound that you're putting in without before colorizing it, it yeah, without, before, without, and without before it distortion. Yeah, so like if I, on my Supro, once I add, am at about like five, I'm no longer getting louder. I'm right. now, now the tone is really starting to color and I'm getting, oh, I'm well, getting overdrive. But to, to, to Tony's point though, it's talking about colorization, your Supro is not what I would uh, describe as an ideal pedal platform because the Supro has a certain voice that is a supro sound. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not as neutral. Assuming it's got more color. I want basically just to hear the pedal sound. 
Exactly. Exactly. Right. So that's typically like like a, a very ineffective, very very popular pedal platform amp is the Hot Rod Series Fender. Mm-hmm. Because if you set those knobs generally halfway up, have it on the clean channel, it's pretty. Plain I just about jane. had to go into surgery because of that. Because mm-hmm. like remember, I told that's why I ended up getting the super. I'm like I can't turn this thing up beyond oh, yeah. two right, without right, it right. like breaking the windows. This is ridiculous. Right. I can't even use L- it. Lots of headroom, and and like I said, it's very neutral sounding. It doesn't have a whole lot of character to right. it. It's just mm-hmm. there. But people love those, and a lot of guys will build their rig, their pedal board rig around that because they can go do a fly gig. They can do a walking gig. High there and there. is another one that's kind of uh, on those. Yeah. Yes and no. It's high headroom. But high watt's got a certain character it, it to it. Have a but sound. the headroom, it's got that yeah, British yeah. tone. But, but but again, let let and back to Tony's point is that when most guys are asking for a pedal platform, a quote clean they're looking pedal for platform, a clean a clean sound. They're also looking for a neutral non character sound. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What was that giant PV amp that uh, a lot of steel players use? It had a fifteen inch speaker. Nashville. Yeah. I mean that. There thing, you go. That, that that is like it's just electricity. It's super super clean. You cannot and flat. get it. And and I've never done this, but I imagine if you would put a hundred hertz, one k, ten k, the output signal would be exactly the same amplitude. That's literally on all like going right from the wall just to the speaker. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And 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 it, yeah. And like Tony said, they are just loud and hello, I'm here. <laughs> you know? Yeah. All right. Uh, this one is from Danny Noonan. Uh, IEC cable versus performance. What? IEC cable versus oh. performance. Okay. Um, uh, I lost my power supply cord at a gig and bought a replacement on Amazon. I feel like my amp performance has changed and not for the better. Um, is that possible? How much does the power cord affect an amp's performance? Mm such as one that is removable slash replacement. Not, I guess, not hardwired. Not hardwired. Um, what should I replace it with? Have you ever AB like different IEC power cables? Never. Okay, neither have I. Um, so unfortunately, I can't say, I haven't done the scientific method. I can't say I've done this and it doesn't make any difference. Um, in theory, I can't imagine it making a difference unless you are using a 32 gauge, <laughs> you know, <laughs> tiny gold plated. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, so something that is only capable of delivering one amp of current to an amp that requires three amp. I can't imagine it, it making a noticeable difference. I really can't, um, especially considering that if you're plugging it into your home and it's and you're not using a regulator or whatever, the voltage is going up or down five or ten volts every day. You know, your wife turns on a blender in the next room, it drops two volts. So I doubt if he's really actually noticing a difference unless the IC cable he's using now is so poor. Mm. Yeah. Well, you know? I have heard that, like, you know, you want to get the, the, biggest, the, the biggest gauge cable you can get for your amp as opposed to, like, you know, a real. I mean, I've used always one. used the ones that that yeah. come with the amp, or yeah. But in this I've, case, I've always he, saved, he lost I know. his. I've always saved like anytime I've trashed trashed an old Mac or something like that. That power cable works great on on amplifiers for some yeah. reason. There's a company I can't remember the name of them now, but they sell them on Amazon. They're very affordable. Oh man, it's right off top off top of my head. And some of them are very expensive. Some of them are well, very expensive. Well, and, and I think that. That's where I've never done an A-B test, so I can't say for sure. I think you, know, you need to do an A-B test. Oh, boy, you have sent me down that rabbit hole. But And there's actually a company, um, well, Mercury Magnetics. They sell a red power cable that supposedly improves your tone. 
<laughs> Does it improve your playing, though? Yeah. yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, so. uh, thank you, Danny Noonan, Noonan, for doing that. Um. Anyways, <laughs> never mind. Mal Sanders. This is uh, Mal Sanders. Tone. Uh, what is the deal with master volumes like my Mesa Lone Star versus amps with a single volume like a Tweed Deluxe? Can having a master volume with a channel volume degrade your tone? Mm. <laughs> I'm sorry, what I was the question again? I have an opinion on that. <laughs> Go Ma- ahead, Tony. Master tones. Go ahead, Tony. What? Nine times out of ten, if I have an amp with a master... Nine times? Nine times out of ten, if I have an amp with a master volume, I turn the master volume oh, all the way yeah. up and then control the the overall volume with the channel volume. Okay. And um, Todd, do you have a master volume on your amp? No. Okay. I have two channels. I, I've always felt that, that... And one's basically jumped, combined. Mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm. So you blend them, yeah. Yeah. I've always felt that adding a master volume kind of chokes the signal. Mm. And, I mean, it's it's important for some people. They want to play at a lower volume. But you can never, in my opinion, again, I'll, be, I'll say that, that you can never get the same sound as a wide-open power section. Um, that's just, I mean, that's, that's just what I've always done. And, um, I mean, unless you're in a situation where you really have to limit your, your overall volume. So, but aren't the master volumes at that stage allowing you to get, quote, unquote, amp breakup without going to full volume and making the house fall down? I'm going to let Tony go a little further. <laughs> then, then I'm going to cut his, his, his legs out from underneath Okay. Him. So... <laughs> From what little I know about amp, I love all these qualifiers. I was going to make a joke about Tony going out on a limb, but that would be a very short joke. Hey! (laughs) Thanks, Todd. (laughs) Thanks for noticing. (laughs) So mean. Um, The master volumes on most amplifiers are placed after the preamp stage before it goes into the the final uh, output stage. Am I right there? Sorta. Of. I'm sorta of right. We'll yeah. come back around. He's he's gonna he's gonna slam me. I know. Oh, I'm man. not gonna slam you. And, and this is why I'm letting you go first because I think this worst. is important. Because, I don't like Rob because you don't have the 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 technical knowledge. So you're speaking from how you use an amp. So how I, I use an amp. So I think this is very important. Yeah. So I mean, a lot of people will take. Uh, you know, if if there's a master volume, they'll crank the the uh, the channel volume and then turn the master all the way down. And it's not a very good signal, in my opinion. I mean, I, in some cases, I might take, even if I do use and gauge a master volume, I might put it at 50% and then make the adjustments. But to me, amps always sound better with the master volume wide open and uh, in just controlling the overall volume with the, uh, with the channel volume. And what type of music are you usually playing? I mean, rock and roll. I mean, like, name some. Songs or like I mean, a, a band, you or, know, things like if well, some Beatles songs, uh, you know, Stones. I, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I okay. mean, I'm primarily cutting my teeth on you know '60s pop songs, okay. and, and that's why I ask that question. Is that that that's a qualifier there? Um, okay. If you were playing um, Metallica, yeah, you I, you could get that sound without a master volume. You would be bleeding from your ears in buckets. Well, kind of like ACDC. Well, Metallica is 10 times the gain of ACDC. Yeah. 
And that's that. That's where Master of Orange he came plays in. He pretty clean, actually. Yeah, really does. Yeah, there's not that much Angus. gain on the AC. Yeah, I mean that that that's the breakover point from, and, and that makes sense because that they, they were using those amps. That, that was the point where Master Vars volume started becoming a thing, right? Because it was like, okay, we can't get any more preamp gain until we insert an extra gain stage. At which point, we have to add Master volume. So here, here's my take on it: is it all depends on what music you're playing. Mm-hmm. And to your point, if I was playing, let's say my set list was Rolling Stones to Kinks to CCR, I could use a master volume amp, but there's no way I could turn the master volume down any more than 50% or 60%. I would have to use it just to take the edge off mm-hmm. because that sound is not very dirty. It's, it's, it's dirty. Like on a scale of 110, it's a three if, you know, Slipknot's a 10. Um, so it's dirty. It's breaking up. But it's not gain. It's not high gain, and it's that the fact that you're pushing the entire amp and the speakers, like we talked about before, right? Mm-hmm. So the master volume could be inserted somewhere, but you want to use it very sparingly, if just to take the edge off of it, right? Whereas if you turn it down too much, then you broken. Just like I think you said something like you're you're choking it off or something. Yeah, you're absolutely right. That's exactly what you're doing with the master volume inserted somewhere. You're choking it off at some point and saying no more coming through here. Look at the big brain on Tony. But it goes back to what kind of sound you want. If you That's want that me- Metallica saturated or even the Van Halen kind of stuff, yeah, you there's an attenuator somewhere because the whole point is that you're crushing all the preamp stages. You're pushing two gain pedals into five gain stages, whatever, crushing it to the point, you know, it's just feeding back uncontrollably. And, and if you didn't have master volume, you'd be deaf, hmm. you know, or you're browning out the amp. Yeah, which which I mean, and again, he did that the volume down that yep. was an attenuator he was trying to get and he's right and, and and basically what he was doing he wasn't turning it down a whole lot he was probably taking six nine db off the top of it just just taking that edge off of it you know because he still he would have them cranked on stage so you know mm-hmm. yeah he wasn't using them in his bedroom or he was using it in a club that only seats 50 people you know right so and there's different types of master volumes too we we talked about on episode number 175. One of them. Okay. You're on here a couple times. You guys times. are supposed to know this stuff. So <laughs> anybody that wants to really know... 230 episodes. Yeah. Give me a break. So anyone that wants to really know, okay, this master volume does this, the attenuator does this, go look up that episode. Yes, and, yeah. yes they were great. Uh, it was Amps 101, and there was a couple of those that we cool. did with him. All right, this is from Ty Webb. Uh, platform, I have always placed with half stacks. I've always played with half stacks, but it seems like clubs now have a lower stage volume limit, which makes my Marshall, Marshall sound like crap. Is it, worth even have to ha- is it worth it to even have them anymore um, unless you are playing huge stages? Well, this goes to what we were just talking about. Um, I mean, that's, yeah, I, I see that. I see so many. They have to turn them to the back of the wall. That's what I see. Yeah, right. You mentioned that, I think, last or, episode we or did. Or face so. down on the stage. <laughs> Either or. or in the parking lot. Um, <laughs> but no, I mean, I, yeah, I've seen over the past decade so many more small wattage, small amps. Guys that we used to be using uh, a twin or a I'm Vibro digging Lux. with a 25 watt amp. Yeah, yeah. The, Single. These guys are now bringing in Princeton's, or sometimes they're, they're bringing in Princeton and go, yeah, the Deluxe was too loud. Yeah. You know? So, but it's all about what you're, I mean, that that's a, a preference thing. Yeah. You know? Um, okay. So. Uh, this one is from Sam Jett, and this is about components. What components determine the voicing of an amplifier? 
What was the question? What? what All com- of them. What components okay. determine the quote, unquote, or quote voicing, unquote, of an amplifier? Okay. I just wanted to make sure that I, I heard that right. Um, yeah, all of them. Um, but I'll say this. It's the, the fact that, um, okay, like some guys, some builders will push. I'm using Sozo caps and I'm using this type of resistor. I'm using carpet compressors, Sozo caps, this, 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 this. They're throwing around all these buzzwords. I can build an amp without those $20 capacitors each or $15 each capacitors. I, I'll use a $2 capacitor and it will get you 98% of the so, distance. Okay. So but let, let's, let me, I think maybe be more obvious about that. What components, maybe this is where he's going, make a Fender sound like a Fender, a Marshall sound like a Marshall None. and a Vox sound None. like a Vox. It's the circuit. That's the my circuit. point of this. Okay. It's the circuit. The, the circuit. So so somebody will say, yeah, this guy's using Sozo versus this cap. What will make more difference is changing one uh, a plate resistor from a 100K resistor to 120. That'll okay. make more difference than those caps. Actually changing the circuit itself. Okay. I think putting in good transformers makes a big difference too. It, if I was to pick anything, transformers would be the number one thing. They are more than meets the eye. It's in, in particular output transformer. Output transformer, yeah. 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 <laughs> Todd, oh, that was bad. All right. Uh, well, ad, that Tony. concludes our awesome Ask Rob Anything. Wait, I, we do have Ooh. one more question. Uh, this is a caller. Caller, uh, identify yourself. Uh, hello, Todd. Yes. Todd, this is Clem Fandango. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you, Clem Fandango. Can you uh, hear me? Uh, yes, I can. But can you hear me? I can. Very good. Uh, I've got one. Yes. What's your question, Clem Fandango? I've got one. Rob, uh, cabinet-wise, how much does the type of wood matter to sound? Uh, would you prefer a thicker plywood or blue spruce? <laughs> <laughs> is this a serious question? <laughs> To, to us it is. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I'm going to answer it seriously then. Um, it makes a huge difference, and it's all about what kind of sound you're looking at for. Okay. Meaning if you want that tight Marshall sound, then you want a void, void-free birch. If you want that vintage tweed sound, you want a pretty poorly made pine cabinet hmm. because it moves and vibrates and yeah so it's all so so blue spruce would be closest to pine blue yeah, spruce there you go, there you go. <laughs> all right well that was a whole lot of fun i hope you all learned a lot i know that i did and tony learned some because he already knows a lot uh rob seriously thank you for answering all those, yeah, those are that was really great, great questions and uh, sorry you know, too much info as always the amp world is a bit of black magic to most of us i was kind of wondering about biasing can we go over that again yeah we didn't well, really well, touch we, on that but, but first we have to we have to get the, the construction of a tube yes ah. uh, okay so i have um i in my grubby little mitts i have one final thing and this is you can do it would you rather? Oh boy! Uh, you play guitar. I haven't been practicing. All right, or here we go. You this is from uh, Michio Murakishi. Murakishi. Would you rather? So you're walking down the street and you for, and you leave your bag of pedals on the uh, uh, on the bus because <laughs> that goes together. Um, so uh, you have to make a quick stop at your local guitar center. Okay. Uh, now, 
at Guitar Center is important because there you can choose any 12 boss pedals, including the Wazacraft pedals, mm. or something like a multi-effects processor, kind of like a like a Line 6 uh, HX effects or something like along those lines. Hmm. So Tony. So I would say I would probably yeah, I'm going to I'm just going to dive in. I'm saying yeah, the HX either the stomp or the effects whatever uh is is it takes a little bit of time to really learn how to use it. But um right out of the gate you can get you can dial in some things it's i i think that it's out of everything that i've seen out there it's a little more intuitive than than anything else i mm-hmm. mean it's i having a dozen of those pedals would be really cool especially if they're the know, some of the japanese yeah. uh boss stuff i mean there's there's some really cool things and those probably are, are even more intuitive because i've used well pedals, they're right? yeah and they're and all knobs. manual yeah, yeah. just yeah. reach down and yeah, yeah. So there, so there is a, a bit of a learning curve, and I guess, you know, depending on how complex I had to make the sounds for that evening, um, it would, you know, if I had time to program in the things in the HX, mm-hmm. uh, I would, I, I would say that would be the way to go because that solves a lot of problems. Yeah. All right, Rob. Rob. I hate these questions. Mm, they're so good. <laughs> um, they are delicious. Okay, assuming that this is with the assumption or caveat that. I have time to plug in 12 pedals and mm. cause that's a whole different thing. You know, um, I would go with 12 different pedals because what Tony just alluded to that you've got knobs, they're familiar, you know, okay, this is my phaser. This is my, this is my blues driver. There's where it is. Yeah. You know? I, 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 I mean, that, that's, that's something I could definitely see. And especially yeah. if you're already under the gun and you know, you've left your stuff behind and you're worried about yeah. that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause, cause to, to, Pull up a preset in an HX where it's got, you know, drive, delay, and something else. It's not going to happen as quick as if you had three pedals in front of you, obviously. Yeah. Way more flexible, though. So if you needed 50 different presets, well, right. you know. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so separate pedals, pedals. for me. Um, I'm going to go with the HX effects. Is that because you already have one? No, I don't. I have the HX Stomp. Oh, yep. The HX FX has... Um, it's more like a, a, a proper Full pedal effects board. Um, it's it's not as compact, and, it's, and it is more focused on allowing you to, you know, tap dance like if you had a normal pedal board. Mm-hmm. Um, and they should I'm, call it the Mister Bojangles. Not really big. Say that really quietly. Yeah. Did you say that you're not a big I just, boss uh, fan? I'm trying to. Uh, you know, and, and, and to that point, I've got one boss pedal on my pedal board, so I'm not a huge. I love the idea of it. I well, just never really but, warmed up to them. But there's the thing: all, none of their pedals. Well, none of their pedals. Most of their pedals don't sound terrible. They most of them also don't sound amazing. They're they're workhorses. Yeah. They're yeah. middle middle of the road. Yeah. Yeah. And if you you know if you grew up when I grew up, I mean was, you had it was the MXR, <laughs> Electrohomonics, and Boss. All, but yeah. At that point, Boss was like the Cadillac. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, anyways, that's uh, and everybody to their own. So there I'm are no own wrong own. answers there to it for anyone. You are. What do you think Jared would have said? Pedals. Yeah, he probably would have. He probably would have taken the, the the boss pedals. Okay, yeah, I yeah. think so. I think he's got quite a few of them. All right, so you got you have company on your. Yeah, yeah we'll just assume. Okay. Yeah. All right. Thank you, uh, Michio Murakishi, for sending that in. 
Tony. Yes, Todd. We get us get us on the road. I'm hungry now. You hungry? I'm sure everybody else who's listening is too. I'm hungry. Or is very late for work. Asleep. At this point of the show, we like to talk about tube biasing and the overall construction <laughs> of tubes. I'm glad you asked. Yes. <laughs> no, at this point of the show, we like to talk about our executive producers. It's a very important part because these are a special group of people that we, we, we love to thank. They help us out. They make the show possible. Now, you're wondering, maybe, how do I become an executive producer? Well, let me tell you, it's quite easy. You go over to patreon.com forward slash the guitar knobs and check out a couple of different options you have to become a patron, a sponsor of this podcast. Both levels come with a great bevy of prize thank you gifts and prizes and all the good stuff. Things like barefoot buttons and stickers and pics and, oh, flashlights. and All kinds of stuff. The list goes on. Lions and tigers and bears. Oh, my. As an executive producer, you get all that great stuff. But there's one thing more. Jared, what is that? Get to have your name read on the thing. That's, your name. I couldn't even tell that wasn't Jared. Read on the thing. That's what I'm going to do right now. So special thanks to these executive producers. Big breath. Tom Barazin. Darren Gregory. Doug Christ. Michael Van Zant, Ken Sayers. Brian Robison. Michael Senchuk. Stefan Lamb. Anthony Lathrop. John England. Brad Partridge. John Estelay. Justin Jones, James White, Matt Hart, Bill Golagatas, Richard Kendall, Tyg Harmon, John Jackson, Jason Rausch, Gary Cooper, Mark Garten, Elad Mazrahi, Mikey D, Trevor Gunberg, Rick Calhoun, Anthony Gemolero, and John Helverson. All right. That's quite a list there, Tony. Todd, are you interrupting me? I didn't mean to. Oh, my goodness. In addition to these executive producers, we have a special group of executive producers, namely our grand poobas. These people reside in the penthouse suite with individual hot tub spas filled with orange Kool-Aid. This week, Kool-Aid. This week, Kool-Aid. <laughs> Sticky and sweet. Oh, I did not need that visual. <laughs> so special, special thanks to these grand poobas. Jonathan Jerusik, Corey Nigro, David Kaminga, Science of Sound, Cody Foster, Sean S., Tommy Manasco, Adam Johnson, Steve Keys, Tim Nowak, Tyler Rines, James Pennington, LSJ Music Company, John Williams, Johnny Morales, Mel Sanders, Bob Crouch, Sam Jett, Michio Murakishi, Martin Cliff, and Hex Meadows. Yes. All right. That is fantastic. Thank you all so much for helping us with this show. Keeping the lights on as it were and making sure that all the stuff gets all over the place and uh, allowing us to do really fun things for all of you. Uh, Tony, mm-hmm. let's ask Rob. Okay. Rob, where right. where can we find you, Rob? Mad Cow Amplification on Instagram. That's it? 
That's I think I've got YouTube and Facebook too. What if somebody wants to send you an email? Uh, yeah. Uh, what is it? Info at madcowamplification.com. And Perfect. Can I, and can I give them your personal self number? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tony, how about you? Go over to pickguardian.com. Check out some of the things that I have to offer on there. Some you can order online. Mostly what I do is custom work. So shoot me an email. Let me know what you need, what you're thinking. If you want to change out pickups, let's talk. Mm. And mm-hmm. I will take very good care of you. Pick up rings. Pick up rings in some cases. Headstock plates. Mm, careful with that. You mean trash okay. rod covers? No! <laughs> he does not mean that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What? You can send me a DM on Instagram at Guitar Knobs. You can also email me, Todd, at theguitarknobs.com. If you want to get a hold of Jared, too, just uh, use the same things. And uh, anything sent to me uh, directed at anyone else on the crew, I will make sure that it gets to them as well. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for supporting our show and our guitar community and all those beautiful, amazing builders out there. Everybody have a great guitar week and subscribe! That was weird. (laughs) That's my favorite one yet. Oh, we wanted you wanted to do that. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) It's a good one. Okay, hang on. I'll set. I'll do this. Todd laughing and smiling. Is that (laughs) it? Here we go. I'm in a guy. I clap. (laughs) There's no way that's making it in there. (laughs) I've got a word for you. Jared not being here threw you off. And where's Jared? Jared. Are we ready? Uh, As ready as we'll ever be. Okay, Todd. Let's go. Here we go. I love it. Howdy, partner. Did you just have like a... I did. I just had a brain aneurysm or something? I can't remember what I was saying. Oh, 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 man. Started from the top. (laughs) Wow. Well, that's it for these knobs. Please visit our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash the guitar knobs. Visit our website at theguitarknobs.com for all of our past episodes, four on the floor blog, and other good stuff. You can connect with us on social too at our Facebook page and share your gear and stories on our Facebook group. Also, be sure to check out our Instagram at Guitar Knobs. Catch you next time.